Have you ever stopped to think how much Jesus has done for us? Have you thanked him recently? Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we'll be looking at some of what Jesus has done for us, and we hope that each week our heart is stirred with so much gratitude and we find ourselves thanking Jesus for all he's done. This gratitude will lead us to living the best life he wants for us. We hope you will join us in saying, Jesus, thank you, and enjoy the series. All right, good morning. Wasn't that a great song? It's awesome. And it was really good to have Brandon back with us. For those of you, yeah, yeah. Some of you are new to our church, but before COVID, we had a five o'clock service, and Brandon and I uh, tag teamed for many years together. So <clears throat> blessed to have him. Well, uh, we're continuing a brand new series uh, called Jesus Thank You. And uh, as I'm thinking about that, I have a question for you. Do you appreciate it when someone says, I'm praying for you? Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, is that a yes? Because uh, here's the deal. I love it. I love it. And I'm not ashamed to say I love it. Um, keep praying for me. <laughs> Especially I'm going to shoot straight um, this morning. Uh, definitely not feeling well. So um, God's going to get us through this one. Um, but... You know, when I was uh, in Cambodia, and some of you don't know, I just got back uh, a week ago from being in Cambodia for 11 days. Um, Cambodia was great. It was a great ministry, um, a great opportunity to pour into um, 150 pastors' lives, and there's so many positives. But if I'm really honest with you, there were times um, where um, it was hard, and there were times where, just to be honest, I was lonely, and... um, it was pretty cool because there were particularly a few times <laughs> that I could think about where um, I received a text at just the right time from some of you here saying, you know what, thinking of you, praying for you. Do you know what those, you know what I'm talking about, how those feel at just the right time? It's kind of like you got your um, vehicle and it's running on empty and then you pull into the gas station and you stick the nozzle in there and it's feeling your car. I think prayer does that. Amen? Well, as much as it's awesome to hear that someone's praying for you, um, today I get to share something that's really kind of, I'm embarrassed to say it, kind of a new thought for me. But um, I, in this series, Jesus, thank you, want to say thank you, Lord, because guess what? We're going to see him praying for us. Isn't that awesome? Let's pray. Lord, um, it is good to be in your house, and it's good to be alive. And Lord, thank you for just um, that sweet song that was just sung, just to remind us that um, there's just so much to be thankful for. And God, in a room with this many people, we've experienced a lot of different things, a lot of good, maybe a lot of hard, and stuff just in between. God, thank you for the opportunity that we get to, to hear from you, from your word. And whether we're sitting here in these chairs or on the couch in a different state far away, whatever the case, God, your Holy Spirit reaches all across. And we're asking for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, um, personally, help me to um, communicate in my weakness your strength, Lord. Thank you so much. We look forward to hearing what it is that you have to teach us today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said... 
Amen. So last week we said, Jesus, thank you for um, something really special, and that's peace. Do you remember that? We looked at John 14 <coughs> and found out that we don't have to have troubled hearts, that we could have peace in the midst of hard times, and we could have peace here on this earth, but we're also given the promise of peace in heaven. Amen? And so if you weren't here, you could listen to that online or go ahead and just read John chapter 14 and you're going to receive the good news there. So what I want to do today is if you're taking notes, write down number one background. And if you've been around West Valley long enough, you know I love to share uh, the background, the context of whatever it is that we're going to be sharing. So today, context is is big. And so I want to go back to John 14 for just a moment on something that I didn't really get to press into that much. So John chapter 14, verse 25. Are you ready? All this I have spoken while still with you, Jesus says. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and that's where um, we just didn't have time to talk about it, but we're introduced to the Holy Spirit here, the advocate. Now, we don't use that word a whole lot, but I think when we do use it, it's oftentimes uh, in the context of a hospital. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, where you want to be an advocate for a family member or a loved one on behalf of um, maybe they're not conscience or maybe, you know, the drugs are really affecting them. They can't make good decisions. So you as an advocate stand between uh, your loved one and um, the medical care and you listen and you help and you, you advocate for your loved one. Well, isn't it cool that Jesus says, guess what? <clears throat> I have an advocate for you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. Now that's good stuff right there, isn't it? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be what? And don't be afraid. You see, this is an amazing promise for each and every one of us. But then he goes on. In verse 28, you've heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If, if, if you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Now listen here. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold over me. Do you catch what's being said here? Jesus is saying that there is an evil one out there. We know him as the devil, and he's the opposition, and he seeks to kill and destroy us, to take us out of the game. Did you know that? (laughs) If you didn't, you do now. There's an adversary out there that wants to take you out. But I love these words that Jesus says, he has no hold over me. Amen? I think of it this way, in John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Someone just needs to hear that promise, that greater is he that is in you, Jesus Christ, than he that is in the world. Again, you're going to see that he's painting this picture of hard. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Be prepared. There's an enemy out there. But listen, 
I have an advocate for you, and it's the Holy Spirit. This is all new stuff. <coughs> Excuse me, for, the, for these disciples. So he continues on, and he says this. In John chapter 15, he's telling them, and you're going to have to go home and read it, because I'm just giving you the cliff note version, but he's telling them of his purpose. And he's sharing with them that you guys, I've been pouring into you for all three years so that you can share the good news that I've been sharing with you. I have to leave this place because physically Jesus was limited, right? He can only be where he could be physically. But if he were to leave this place, he could be everywhere, anywhere. Amen? So he could be with me in Cambodia. He could be with me here. He could be with my friends in Arizona. He could be with my uncle out in Hawaii. Hi, uncle. He could be, right? He's anywhere, everywhere. Amen? And that's an incredible promise. So he says, you've got a job, though. Disciples and you, Christ followers, you've got a job. I'm going to leave, but you've got to pass on this good news. You've got to share the gospel with others. And that's our purpose. And you say, well, no, that's your purpose, pastor. Well, no, (laughs) it's all of ours. I get to do that. And you get to do that as Christ followers. You could reach people for Jesus I could never reach. And I could reach people for Jesus that you can never reach. Amen? And by the way, this is a great time to bring this up again. You know, next Actually, two weeks from today is Easter. Can you believe that? And in our culture, there seems to be two times people are at least open, (laughs) more open to coming to church, Christmas and Easter. So here's my challenge. Who are you inviting to come sit next to you in the purple chairs on Easter? Now, we have three services because a lot more people tend to come. But who are you in contact with that only you could be the personal invite? for Easter. I want you to start thinking about that, praying about it, and actually inviting them. Amen? So that's what's going on in John 15. You're going to have to look at it all. So, you know, you've got an advocate. Don't be troubled. Um, You could have peace. There's heaven, John chapter 14, John 15. We've got a job to do. Here is your purpose. And then we go over to John 16. And uh, sorry, but um, I always like to talk in the context of sports. Um, And I think we can understand this. I think John 16, it's kind of like, picture a big football game. And Jesus is the coach, and the team, right, is in the locker room. And you know what a coach does? He gets them all fired up in the locker room, and he reminds them of why they've worked that hard, and reminds them of the defense and the schemes that are going to come their way. I mean, it's just one of those cheerleading moments. It's kind of one of those, let's go out there and get them, right? And I think this is really what's going on with John, uh, with Jesus and his disciples in John 16, is he's telling them, hey, we got this big thing that's happening. You know, I've been preparing for you. You're ready for this. I'm going to have to leave you, but you've got this. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Here's your marching orders, and there's going to be trouble that's going to come, but you can do this. And that's, that's John 16. But here's one of the things that I'd like for you to read is in John uh, 16, and let's go verse 22. Um, John 16, 22, and it says this, so with, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will what? And you will rejoice, and no one can take away your what? 
and no one could take away your joy. Here's the reality. Circumstances could take away your peace. Circumstance, I mean, circumstances could take away your happiness, right? And, 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 and even external stuff could take away the worldly peace. But Jesus is saying, guys, listen, you don't quite understand what's going on, but all this hard is going to happen. A lot of good with it, but a lot of hard is going to happen. But nobody, nobody could take away your joy. So are you seeing, <coughs> this is the context of the three chapters that precedes the prayer that we're going to talk about. But I think this joy thing is really, really important. He spends time encouraging them, <coughs> saying, you guys got this. You guys got this. Um, so I was in Cambodia for 11 days, came back here, and I got to preach uh, and share with you guys last Sunday. Um, and then the next morning, I uh, left my house at 5 o'clock in the morning and jumped on a plane for Arizona. And... Um, why I did that is, um, have I talked to you guys about this group I'm a part of with five pastors? I think I have over the years. And so this is our third year together. So um, I've been, every once a month on Zoom, I, I meet with these guys, right? So it's a guy, a pastor from Indiana, a pastor from Nebraska, a pastor from Chicago, a pastor from Arizona, and, he, and then here, right? So we meet, and that's a great thing for me. You want that for me. Because we talk about all kinds of things that um, us lead pastors could, could relate to. But twice a year we meet. And so that's what happened was we were meeting in Arizona at one of the guy's houses, right? And so we spent, I don't know, about 80 hours of life together, literally in the same house. And it was awesome. You know, it was raining out there just like it's been raining here. And we've been out on the beautiful backyard porch that he has. And just, we just talk about life. We laugh a lot. We cry. You know, we just share. And so the reason I share all this is the gentleman's house that we're at, his name is Chad Goucher. And Chad Goucher is an awesome pastor. Um, he, he actually um, started a church. Actually, today is their 15th anniversary. They're celebrating as a church. The church runs around 1,000 people. And Chad is just a great guy. He's just contagiously a guy that you want to be around, encouraging, smile. But there's something about Chad. Um, many years ago, he was diagnosed with a lung disease. And his, the latest statistic for him is his lungs are functioning at 30%. So that's, that's tough, you know, 30%. He would never want you to know that, um, but it affects them. And we were talking about, we're all talking about preaching styles and things that we do. And I don't know about if you know this, maybe you only know this place, but I love being out there in the lobby meeting you. There are pastors that literally preach and then they go high in their office. Um, I did that today just to stay away from you and <laughs> sick wise, but um, I love being out there. It was hard for me not to be out there today and after this service. And Chad is the same way. Chad says, man, I love being out there. He goes, but when I preach, I can't. He goes, I don't have the lung capacity, so I have to go in my, my um, office and get on the machine and get enough to go back out there and preach. Isn't that amazing? But he, he's good, and God is using him. And you say, Pastor, why are you spending so much time sharing about that? Because the truth is we're all going to have our different heart, aren't we? And boy, we can line up here and talk about our heart. And it's not, 
<clears throat> it's not fair to compare hard. That's not what it's about. But we all have hard. And Jesus is saying, you guys are going to have hard. Even in ministry, you're going to have hard. But you know what I love about Chad? Is he keeps going. It'd be so easy for him to quit. But he doesn't. Or it'd be easier to take a lesser kind of a position. But he doesn't. And he's impacting the kingdom. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying here in this, in this huddle, in the locker room. Guys, yes, it's going to get hard, but I got your back. At the end, we're going to win. Chapter um, John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So this is the context of everything just before Jesus is going to pray. And now we get to see his prayer. But I think having heard all of that helps us to know that this isn't just some random prayer. So if you're taking notes, you could write this down. Jesus prays for us. And yes, he prays for us. That's a new thought for me. I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but it's a new thought. And it has been an overwhelming thought. A joy-filled thought to know that not only did Jesus die for us, and we're going to talk about that next week, Pastor John, the cross, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Um, But today, Jesus, thank you, because you prayed for me. Now, we know Jesus prayed, right? Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, went to a solitary place where there he prayed. So we know that prayer was important to Jesus. Matter of fact, he got up early to do it because he kind of had a busy schedule. Then we also know the Lord's prayer. Remember the disciples said, man, teach us to pray. We want to pray. And then we read the Lord's prayer, right? It's in Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 15. It says, then uh, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us what? Of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into what, church? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from who? Deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now here's the, here, please hear me. Please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this is bad prayer. Oh boy, that'd be wrong. Because Jesus is giving this as a model prayer, right? But, you know, I grew up in the Catholic church uh, as a little kid and we were, we were taught to memorize that. And that's, that's, a, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But if all we do when it comes to prayer is recite the Lord's prayer, we're really missing the relationship part, amen? Like if all I do is walk up to Walter every time I see Walter and repeat the same exact thing, Walter at some point is going to go, Rob, do you even know who I am? Like, do you even care? You're just kind of just. And so like last week, any of us could pray anytime, anywhere, with any voice in any position. Amen. You don't have to be qualified. (laughs) Your heart's beating. You could pray. And it doesn't matter. He just wants to hear. So that's awesome that, that, that we could pray to Jesus. And it's awesome that Jesus prays. But what I'm saying here today is thank you, Jesus, because you're praying for us. And that's what I want to spend the rest of this message with. I want us to dissect this whole idea that Jesus actually prays for us. Are you ready? So we're going to go John chapter 17, verses 
um, 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now here's what's so amazing, church. Jesus kind of gave this model prayer, yes, and we just read that in Matthew, but this is Jesus praying. Like, we're getting to see exactly what Jesus was saying to the Father. Like, that's an amazing insight that we get. Now, that's not the only prayer of Jesus recorded, but it's certainly the longest prayer. And so we can say the Lord's Prayer and say, our Father art in heaven, but that's Put that one aside and sit here right now. We're getting to see Jesus talk. And he's talking on our behalf. And the first thing that Jesus is praying for you and I is to know God. Did you catch that in here? He says that. He says, I want, in verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. Jesus is praying for Rob Denton in that moment that I would know God. Jesus is praying for Doug Hiller in that moment that he would know God. Uh, He's praying for Elizabeth that she would know God. He's praying for uh, Tiny over there. Well, Jeff, that you would know God. Put your name in there. And Jesus in this moment, he's saying, I want this person to know God because everything really is secondary to this. And I think that's really cool that Jesus cares about me enough to say, I want that person to have personal relationship. Amen? Which leads me to the question, do you know Jesus? I don't, not, not, do you know about him? Can you recite all the facts about him? But do you know Jesus? Because he knows you. Have you said yes to him? And it doesn't mean I said yes to him when I was 12 and 31 and 42, all those numbers I've thrown out before. But are you saying yes to him today? Do you know Jesus today? Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe in him as the Son of God? Have you repented? Not been perfect, but have you repented of your selfish ways? Have you been baptized? And if you haven't, today is the day. You know, something interesting, uh, because I've been coming through the back here this morning, right behind that screen. See the big screen right underneath it? There's a baptistry. It's really just kind of like a jacuzzi. And every Sunday, the ushers, it's empty. They come and fill it up. They turn on the heater. The water is warm in there, all right? Every Sunday afternoon, they get rid of the water and they clean it all out. Every Sunday, the baptistry is ready. Maybe someone needs to get baptized here today. And I'm just telling you that because we're always ready for that. This is what the Lord wants, wants from me. He wants you to know him. And knowing him, he says, man, believe in him. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Repent and be baptized. 
And if you don't know what all that means, come talk. Well, don't come talk to me today. That ain't going to happen. Go to the Welcome Center and say, I want to know this, Jesus. There's other pastors and staff that will be in the lobby. Go talk to them. That's the most important thing. If you're online, text in the message right now to, to Cynthia, who's on there. Or if you're watching this later in the week, call the church, 818-884-6480. Or send an email to us. Send an email to me, rob at wvcch.org. Because this is the most important thing, is that we know God and his son Jesus Christ and the time is now the time is now and that's what Jesus I don't know was he sitting on a rock was he chilling uh, leaning up against a tree was he standing when he did this prayer I don't know but what I do know is he prayed that we would know the father then he goes on in the prayer I've revealed to you in, in, in uh, verse 6, to those whom you gave out, uh, me out to the world, they were yours. You gave them to me and they obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew the certainty that, I, that came from you and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. See, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer. See, I'm, I'm ready to leave, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture could be fulfilled referring to Judas. Church, the second thing that Jesus prays for, I love this, protect them. Protect them. Are you flipping kidding me? The son of God is gonna face the cross a horrific, painful death. He knows that's right around the corner. And yet, he's taking time out to pray for me for my protection. For your protection. Church, isn't that amazing? Like literally, it brought me to tears this week when I read that. Maybe I've read it a billion times. That's probably an exaggeration. But I've read this so many times, I've never seen that. He's praying for my protection. He says, I kept him safe while I was here on earth. And, and God, I know what's going to come. I know what the evil's going to come. I know the, the troubles that are going to come. I know the trials that are going to come. I know the heartache and the pain that's going to come. I am praying, God, that you would protect them. This is the son of God that has all authority in heaven and earth according to Matthew chapter 28, 18. This is the guy that could sit on a throne and bark out orders because he was in charge. He has it all. But this is Jesus, the servant leader, the shepherd that cares about his sheep. You remember that story, the parable where he says, I'm gonna leave the 99 to go find the one that's lost. That's our Jesus. That's the one that's praying right now. He wants to protect you. He wants to keep you safe. I think that's absolutely 
amazing. You see, your life matters to him. My, I, yours might not matter to me, and, or I might not care about every life on this earth, and vice versa, you might not care. But here's the reality. You're not just a number to Jesus Christ. He cares about you enough to say, God, Father, protect them by the power of your name. It's like the prayer I pray oftentimes for you guys. Um, this happens often. I, I'm always praying that God would surround this campus, this church and school with his angels. There's so much evil out there that I'm like, always, Lord, surround this campus with your angels. If that's my prayer as the shepherd of this flock, could you imagine what Jesus' prayer was like? Thousands of times stronger. Does that make a difference in your heart to know that Jesus prays for your protection? I know it does mine. Then he goes on in John 19, I am coming to you now, but as I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have full, the full measure of my joy within them. Woohoo, that's crazy. He knows that it's going to be hard, like I've said. He knows the troubles. He knows the temptations. He knows the trials that are going to come the disciples' way, that are going to come our way. And he says, Lord, I pray that not only they know you, not only that uh, you protect them, but they know the full measure of joy. Like their heart is filled to the brim. You see, true joy is the response to what God delights in. It requires a person's heart to be tuned in to the right values, specifically those values that we find in, that are valuable to God. His word is a large part of that, finding out what is special and important to him. The testimony of God is a delight, is a joy in our hearts. I love one commentator says this, joy does not depend on what's happening happening or what we have or who's in our life. Joy is an attitude of our heart driven by our trust in God, a byproduct of knowing God. That's why Paul could go through all these problems. He could be writing in prison the letter in Philippians, knowing that he's probably going to face death. And he says in Philippians chapter 4, 4, what? Rejoice in the Lord Always, again I say, rejoice. You see, circumstances could be chaotic. Circumstances could be out of control. But we could still have joy, just like we could have peace in the midst of chaos. And Jesus is praying for that for our life. Amen. Chad that I talked about earlier, one of the things that Chad is known for saying, I've heard him say this a bunch, and he lives this truth. Even though he's got this daily struggle, and he doesn't know how much longer he'll be on this earth, and he and his wife walk this together along with his adult children, he says, I always put joy on the calendar. I always put joy on the calendar. And that's a simple reminder, even as he's sitting and getting the blood transfusions every once a month and all the struggles that go through that, joy is not going to be robbed. As he has to go sit in his office in between services, joy is not going to be robbed. Amen? That was Jesus' prayer. Then he goes on in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth of your word. As you sent me into the world, I have sent you, I have sent them into the world. For them... I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. That's not a word we usually often use, 
But that's the fourth thing that Jesus prays, sanctify them. Sanctify simply means to set apart. And for us as Christ followers, it's to set apart for God's purposes. And we already know what God's purpose is for our life. Jesus said it. The most important thing is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he says, secondly, to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? So that's, that's what we're set apart for, is to love God and love others. But how that plays out in each of our lives is different, amen? You know, some of you are going to, um, you know, work for the government. And uh, that's going to put a roof over your head and food on the table. But your purpose is still to love God and love others. Some of you are in law, and that's going to put food on the table and a roof over your head. But still your purpose is to what? Love God and love others. Some of you are counselors, some of you are accountants, some of you are janitors, some of you are, right? And so we all live that out differently. But here's, here's where I want to call a timeout real quick, okay? And this is something I need to do a better job of, and, and God's really put it on my heart. I uh, was talking to a Manhattan um, Bible College's president the other day. He happened to be in that circle that I was with, and um, their decline of pastors enrollment. My alma mater, Hope, Hope uh, University, Pacific Bible uh, Christian College, is their enrollment for pastors is just way, way low. And, you know, part of it is to shake my fist at the Bible college and say, gosh, you need to get your act together. But, you know, the truth is, it's a partnership. The local church and the Bible colleges need to be working together at, at um, helping um, raise up new pastors. And so I'm committed to that and I'm a part of some big conversations on that. But one of the things I, I learned in Arizona, God just said, when's the last time you've challenged your church to full-time ministry? That's not fair, God. <laughs> Pastor John and I've talked about this because he's usually sitting over there. That's why I'm pointing. Church, separate of living out God's purpose for us and, and doing that, you know, secondary to our job and all that, I still need to put out the call. There are, there are men and women in our church that need to consider full-time ministry. They need to consider a job change. You know, in our very own church, Jim Bell, who preaches on Saturdays, he was a lawyer. Pastor Kirby preached, I think it was in the early 80s, and convicted him, and he changed, you know. Um, Steve Cook was a guy that was an elder at our church, and he had a construction company. I think in his 30s, he heard a sermon. Glenn preached one time, sold his house, moved his young family to, to Kansas to go to Bible college, you know. Um, when I was here, we had pastors that would walk around, Tom Moyers, um, Glenn Kirby, um, Darren Skates, and tell us young guys, if, if it was appropriate, you ought to go in the ministry. Do you know at one time at our church, out of our youth group, we had eight of us going to Bible college to be full-time pastors? We haven't had eight total in the last 30 years, and I'll own some of that. So anyways... Some of you need to be praying about what that looks like for you. And why did God have Pastor Rob share that today? Moving on. <laughs> the last thing that Jesus prays for in John 17 is for unity. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are in uh, um, and I in, in you, may they also 
be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. You know, if I'm the devil, I'm going to go after go after the church. I'm going to cause you to turn against each other, uh, not just within a local body, but nationwide, worldwide, right? If we could get them fighting each other and not going against the enemy, we've done well. And so this is why Jesus, one of the last things that Jesus prays for while here on this earth is for unity. Church, never be a part of disunity. Never be, this church is not about you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about your personality. And it's not about mine either. We need to continue to be unified. Praise God. We have a good, healthy unification here in this body and our school right now. And we need to keep it that way. And the whole church worldwide needs to do that to make a statement to stand against the things of this world. Well, there it is. There are six things that Jesus prayed for you and I. Thank you, Jesus. Father, help us to take these truths and receive them and say thank you. But also help these be things that we could pray for for others also. God, thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you're doing for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion